0: Well, I want to uh, turn towards God's word this morning for us as we celebrate and worship all through December. We have been in a Christmas series, God with us, our Emmanuel, looking at each week, a God with us. And by way of review, I just want to show you, if I think we have it, Matthew 1.23, we've been looking at this verse. If it's there, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Really understanding what that means that God is with us. And each week, we've looked at a specific gift. And so by way of reminder, when we look at Christmas presents, that he is with us to save us. We talked about him being our light in the darkness, that God is with us to help us, that he is our peace in our brokenness. And last week, we looked at God is with us to teach us that he can be our joy and to bring that joy to its full. And so this morning, I want to be turning to Isaiah chapter 9. If you have a Bible, you can open up to this famous prophecy of the coming of Jesus. I'll reference the whole seven verses in chapter 9, but I want to just read verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 9. It says it this way, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. As always, we've read God's word. I invite you to just pray. And maybe this is the first time you've done this. Pray a simple prayer. Just say, God, would you speak to me this day? And I'll pray for us collectively. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your word. That when Jesus came to this earth, he was the word made flesh and he dwelt among us and he came to teach and show us who you are as the living word. And so, Father, today we have this truth, this revelation from you that still speaks today. It's still as relevant today as it ever was. And so I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that we would pause even in this moment and quiet our hearts. They would be open to your message, the message of good news, the message you want us to hear today, a message of hope. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. In 1991, there was a movie called Hook, which was the epic story of Captain Hook and Peter Pan. And in this particular story, Peter Pan's kids are kidnapped by Captain Hook, and he takes them into Neverland, and he tries to convince Peter Pan's kids, Jack and Maggie, that their parents just do not care about them. And so to kind of celebrate and show them, he, uh, he gives Jack, throws him this baseball game party. Now, Maggie was really never under the spell. She knew that what he was doing was a lie, and it wasn't true. She thought her parents did care about them. But Jack was a little bit different. He was really angry and upset with his father all the time because he missed all his baseball games. So during this baseball game that Captain Hook threw Jack Jack gets up to the plate and he knocks this moonshot out. And it's apparent then that the pirates do not understand what the game of baseball is about because they show this picture, they mix up the words home run and instead it says run home Jack. And it's in that moment that Jack realizes even while brief, this spell that Hook has kind of put over him, he realizes that's not true. He realizes who he is and what he was made for and where his true home was in that moment much for us like believers those who know Christ and i hope those who hear about him today we have a home forever this is not our home this is not our final destination as it said we can be confident that we have a home that awaits for us just like jack we this is not it And Jack teaches us to run home in a sense, and I pray that you would get that this morning. And I wonder if by our gift this morning to help us remember, I can illustrate that for us. Each week we've looked at a gift inside one of these boxes, and this one today is that God is with us forever. We have a home with Him forever if we trust in Christ. And because I'm so clever, and because it rhymes with hope, I picked a rope. Isn't that clever? Some of you have seen this before, but I hope I can illustrate it again today. We have the gift of hope in Christ. Now, I want you to picture this rope as eternity. And again, I've used this before, but I think it's a good way of reminder. If this rope represents eternity, let me get it here. So let's just picture for a second, this rope goes all the way out the door, it just continues. If this rope represents eternity, then this right here this little white band represents our lives on this earth. Remember, this this is our beginning, the start of this rope, but eternity goes on forever. God himself has existed in three persons this way forever. He has always been and will ever be, but this is our life. Now think about this. This is where we exist in the line of eternity, and you and I are anxious and worry about this a lot, don't we? I've said this before, but you're born and right around here you start walking, right? Many of us. And you go to school here and then right about here is where that first boy or girl looks at you and you like him and you're all anxious because right about here you're stressing out about what to wear to prom, right? You see it? Are you with me? It's right there. Then you go through life, you get your first job, whatever that is. Maybe you, you get married, have kids, and that house payment comes, right? You, you see it, right? It's right there bills come, you live, maybe you have kids and grandkids, and all through life, we stress out about this. But in Christ, God offers us hope that this is not all there is. He offers us a home of eternity, that we will dwell with him forever. Friends, I especially pray for you this morning, do not let this distract you from this perspective of eternity. This is not all there is in life. That's what we learn from Isaiah 9. When we look at hope, the most reassuring thing and most assuring thing I can know is I don't need to worry about this life. Now, what is hope? Years ago, we had a famous preacher, Tom Niebel here. You know him. Many you know him well. And he said this phrase, and I'll never forget it, this attitude of soon. And he said, until soon becomes now, I'll be Okay. Until soon becomes now, I'll be okay. Until we arrive in the presence of Christ in in eternity, we'll be okay. Why? Because we have hope. This life is not all that it's cracked up to be. Many of us know that. It's hard, it's cumbersome, it's laborious. I looked at the lyric of that song beneath the weight of life's crushing load. Until soon becomes now, I'll be okay. And so right off the bat, I just ask you this question. If it's about hope, what is your hope built on today? Is it on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, or is it on something else? Because Jesus came down to this earth to save and to help and to teach us that if we place our faith in him and follow him, we can know him forever, for an eternity. How much do you dwell on and ponder eternity David said in Psalm 23, 6, his famous verse, Surely goodness and mercy, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for a little while. No, forever. David knew that. David knew after his earthly, prosperous, kingly life that even he would go to the presence of God Forever. That we would dwell with him. Now looking at Isaiah, I want to kind of give us the background of this text. Isaiah had built up a frightening picture on purpose of darkness and distress about to descend upon Judah and the northern kingdom. But this was not his last word. Here he gives a joyful oracle, if you will, that one day there will be no more gloom. That's in verse 1. There was contempt in the land. Not much different than it is today. There was uncertainty. There was destruction. How many gloomy days have you and I had? Even recently. But Isaiah expresses a hope that the latter days, something glorious is coming. This hope and and the stresses and and certainty of it. It's the Lord's will that he will bring about something different. And verse 1 points us towards the ministry of Jesus that he will be coming. The inauguration of a new kingdom. A new hope. We see this in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of nations. Now, what's that all about? If you look into Matthew 4, you see that Jesus' ministry is coming here. It says this in verse 12 through 17. Now, when he heard Jesus here in ministry that John had been arrested, he withdrew into where? Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in great darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then Jesus began, and he said this most famous saying about what he was coming to do. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isaiah prophesies, there is hope coming. In the gloom and doom of this situation, one day Jesus will come. He will minister in this land of Galilee. He will shine on them a great light of people that are living in darkness. He will offer an eternity with himself forever by his blood, his death, and resurrection. It would have been difficult, though, and maybe it's difficult for you today to envision any kind of hope in your life. It would have been very difficult for the people of Isaiah's day to envision hope, to think about what could possibly come in good from the situation that I'm in. What could possibly come that would give me so much joy and hope to move me forward? Look around our world right now. What kind of thing in this world truly, other than faith, would you bank all of your hope in? Think about it with me. What can you know is secure in this world right now? Government? Can we place our hope and confidence and and faith in government? Banks? What is Litecoin and Bitcoin? I I hear all this stuff. I don't even know. Would you place your securities in, in that? In your retirement? What about your health? How many of us are struggling right now? Would you place all of your hope in your health? What about relationships? Some of us are going to walk into some very interesting relationships tomorrow. Maybe even tonight. All of these things uncertain. And there seems to be, doesn't there, an increase of uncertainty in these things? But when you dive into verse 2, you see this glimmer of hope. Listen to this. The people who walked in darkness... This gloom and doom of Isaiah's day, they have seen a great light. That's what Isaiah was projecting towards. One day until soon becomes now, we'll be okay because one day we have this hope coming. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, look at all these contrasts on them, the light has shined. When we look ahead at God entering the world, Christ coming to this earth as a babe, we see the glimmer of light break into the darkness. Where there is light, there is always hope. Look at verse three. You have multiplied a nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Many of us are not farmers in this room, but you can imagine the labor that goes in to working fields and preparing fields in the springtime and planting and then watching and waiting, wondering if weather is going to affect yields, and then finally harvest time comes. That's what Isaiah is projecting towards. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. All the work, all the labor, all the burden, all of that stuff that you spend in this little tiny frame, it all comes to harvest time, and we rejoice. And they're glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4, for the yoke of his burden And the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Verse four starts with these three fours, if you will. Jesus coming to break this oppression. This is not as much about Jesus as about his man. Look at the yoke of your burden. How many of us would like that to be lifted this day? The staff for his shoulder, this idea of labor, or maybe even punishment, this idea of a burden that you carry around the rod of his oppressor, all those, we don't know persecution in this country, but all the ways that you feel oppressed and persecuted, the weight of all of that stuff, Jesus comes and he breaks it. And it says, on the day of Midian, a reference there to Gideon's great victory with only a small army. We see that in Isaiah 10:26. And the Lord of hosts will wield against them a whip, as when he struck Midian at the rock of Oreb, and his staff will be over the sea, and he will lift it as he did in Egypt. There's a reference to Midian this this easy victory if you will for the Lord through Gideon. That's what God promises to us this easy victory that Christ accomplished on the cross it was weighty because of all of what Christ endured for us, but it was simple in the fact that God himself did it. And he can do it for us. Today he offers us that kind of hope. Look at verse 5. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. I don't know about you, but one day all this war and battle, and I'm not just talking about Middle East, I'm not just talking about Asia, I'm not just talking about Africa, I'm not just talking about within our own country, all this war and divisiveness and battle and bloodshed, all of this comes to an end. In the person of Jesus Christ one day, when he brings his kingdom in, he ushers it in, and he declares peace from now until forevermore. All of that burned as fuel for the fire. The Messiah has been born. You have to remember the source of hope was that God purposed that a king of David's line would one day rule over Israel and restore it to its full dimensions. You see this clearly coming in verse 7. That the kingdom will be on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish and uphold it. You see this idea coming. But he writes about this king and he begins to describe him in verse 6. Listen to what he says. For to us a child is born, a son is given. A child and a son. Why is that important to note? The key qualification for the Messiah is that he had to be from the Abrahamic and Davidic line. He had to be God. He couldn't be a man. Jesus' birth was not the beginning of his existence. And so, what you see in a child is humanity. You see, he was born to this earth as a child, but what you see in a son is he was God. He was human and yet divine. That is why we can place our hope and faith in the Messiah, Jesus, because he is both human. He's experienced the temptations. He's experienced the emotions. He has experienced the weight of that little white space. He's done all of that and he knows it, but he had to be fully God to offer us true hope and true light and true joy and true peace. And then Isaiah gives these four hopeful titles to this coming king. These throne type names representing this child's royal power a gift of divine grace to sinners. Just listen to these again. You've heard them often as we walk through them, what we so desperately need today. First one is a wonderful counselor. It's one who is able, as referenced in Isaiah earlier or later in in verse two of chapter 11, a wonderful counselor who is able to make wise plans, and that verse is up on the screen, whose wisdom is beyond human capabilities, unlike the foolish King Ahaz, When is the last time you desperately needed some good advice? Not advice from your friends. That's not good advice. But good counseling advice. When's the last time you needed somebody to just sit with you and listen that would help you mend wounds, that would always be there, that would never say the wrong thing in the moment? When Christ came, he came as the wonderful counselor, the one whose wisdom is beyond human capacity, the counseling skills that he would know us in our weakness, and he would be able to mend. Many of us that sit with counselors, we just want them to fix what is happening in our lives. That's what Jesus comes and does. He offers to fix everything that's broken about us. He offers to come and redeem all of that as a wonderful counselor. That is a hopeful thing to me, day that we have a wonderful counselor. Another hopeful thing is to have a mighty God. A title for the Lord himself as seen in Isaiah 10 20 through 21 here. In that day the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them but will lean on the Lord the Holy One of Israel in truth. A remnant will return the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. All powerful to work. Anything, listen friends, All powerful to work anything he wills. Do you trust in a mighty God like that today of unlimited resources? All the things that you so desperately wish God would step into, he has the resource to do that. And it's easy to him. He's all powerful. Maybe some of you are in a weak situation right now and you lack resource. You need power, you need strength to endure, just a little hope. Friends, don't let this thing, this little bit of our life here on this earth, this vapor, as the Bible calls it, distract us from all that God is bringing. An everlasting father, a father as a benevolent protector, a way of caring for his people, as referenced in Isaiah 63, 16 and Isaiah 64, 8. For you are our father through Abraham, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. A father who never fails. Think back to that movie illustration. Jack was always upset that his dad missed all his baseball games. He was angry at his father. He was always disappointed. Maybe some of you have experienced that with one of your parents in this life, but God is a father who always cares, who never fails. You can go to him. Our heavenly father is so different than many earthly ones. And finally, our prince of peace. He is the ruler whose reign will bring about peace because the nations will rely on his just decisions. Look at Isaiah 2.4. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against another, neither shall they learn war anymore. Think about that. You and I hear it all the time in the news. There will be a day where nobody would even learn of war anymore, that it would be something that's just not around, it doesn't exist in families, in friendships, in marriages, in cities, in countries across the world, there won't be. This is a biblical concept here that includes much more than that, though. It's not just about the absence of conflict as Jesus comes as Prince of Peace. It speaks above the, about the complete wholeness and integrations with no issues left unresolved. No issues left unresolved. How many of us are walking into family things tomorrow where there's issues unresolved? That looming thing that just keeps happening year after year. How many of us are walking into situations where it's just that same old brother, jerk, same old sister, same old thing with my parents, same old thing with my uncle and aunt, same old thing with my ex-husband, my ex-wife, Same old thing with my kids. All these issues. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to be the prince of peace. I am. I'm not going to be. He is. I will offer hope that has no end with no issues left unresolved in what his coming kingdom to bring perfect peace in the midst of chaotic life, in the midst of a chaotic world. All those titles should bring us great hope today. Think about these four names. They are nouns. They're not adjectives. These four names given to Christ himself were not adjectives, things that describe. These are who he is. This is who he is, a wonderful counselor. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. He's a mighty God. These are things of his character. Think about his presence at this time of year. What What Emmanuel means, God is with us in this way to give us hope. God didn't stay way off in heaven, but came down to live with us. John 1.14, I reference that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus promised his disciples, I will come back when he left and take you to be with me that you also may be with me me, where I am in John fourteen three, He taught them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, this is not your home forever. Reminding us, reminding them to run home. Incredibly, that's how much he wants to live with us in this day. You and I have the promise of what is coming in our hope. Listen to this in Revelation 21, 3. God himself will be with his people. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Why does God say himself? Because God wouldn't merely just send us a delegate, a representative. He won't just send down the angel Gabriel again to represent him. He himself will come down to From heaven to live among us on a new earth. Emmanuel doesn't mean us with God. It means God with us. Where will He be with us? In our eternal home He is preparing for us. Don't lose perspective of that this day. The incarnation of Christmas isn't temporary, it's permanent. Christ rose in a glorified human body, which he will have forever. It's not, listen to this, it's not that Jesus came as a baby at Christmas. He then lives for 33 years later, came the resurrection, the ascension, and then he suddenly stopped being a man. That's important to note. The second member of the triune God will be a human being for all eternity, reigning from a throne on a new earth often we think of heaven as our going up place to this disembodied angelic realm to live with God in his place. But the Bible says the ultimate heaven will be God coming down from heaven to live with us in our place, a new place, a restored brand new earth. This world will pass away, but God will bring about a new one. And that's the place that will dwell with him forever. We are made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person. Heaven is the place, and the resurrected Jesus will bring heaven down to a resurrected earth. Think of that. Don't lose perspective of that in this little white space that we live in, in the line of eternity. One thing I love about Christmas, many things I love about Christmas, especially cookies. I wanted to tell many of you to stop bringing them, and I thought, that's just stupid. Keep bringing them. But one of the things I love about Christmas is just time off, just time away, especially in ministry. I feel like I've been just hobbling. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been hobbling towards the finish line of the calendar year. Just tired, just kind of done with 2017, but I'm looking forward to just time off. And tomorrow, I hope that I get to just relax and celebrate and laugh with my family. That's what I love about Christmas. But inevitably, even in that, I know there's tension that can often exist. Relational fractures, there'll be stress. I just hope I don't relive two years ago the famous tire blowout on I-88. I don't know, something about me is just like, I said that to somebody yesterday. I said, I just have a bad feeling about traveling tomorrow. I hope I, I'm so wrong on that. Carrie, the rest of the kids, hope I'm so wrong on that. it would be the first time I've been wrong, so... Um, where was I? All the results that you'll live through and unforgiveness and sin being present, all these tensions that seem to exist. But I want you to think about something different. Heaven, one day, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if, if He has your forever home, it'll have the best of, think about this, it'll have the best of Christmas every day. We'll be able to relax and celebrate, and laugh, and there will be no issues. None. Unresolved. There'll be nothing. None of that. No aches of your heart for your kids. No aches of your heart for aging parents. No aches of division and fracture. No, no shoe will ever drop that other shoe that you've just been waiting for. No skeletons will fall out of anyone's closet. Christ paid the ultimate price so that we would be forever free from sin and the fear of it and all the barriers between us and him will be forever gone. Jesus will be our God. We will be his people. He will be with us forever. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to walk the earth with Jesus as the disciples did? Have you ever wished you had that opportunity? You will if you know Christ. On the new earth, Jesus promised we would eat and drink with him in his kingdom. To eat a meal with Jesus will be to eat a meal with God himself because he is with us, our Emmanuel. You see, the best part of Christmas is not the presence we receive, but the presence of God with us. You need to know that this day. This is the presence that gives us hope. Christmas means that God loved us so much. He came to live with us and die for our sin, a punishment that was due on us so that we can live with him forever. I want to close by just reading this. I was reflecting on it this last week in preparation and just thinking about the weightiness, the weightiness of the world, all the the chaos and the frustration and the brokenness and the pain That many of us walk through. This is what Paul writes about hope. This is what he writes to the believer. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, listen to this for this light, for this light and momentary trouble. That's what he calls it. He says, this is light and momentary. I know it doesn't feel like that for many of us. He says, this light and momentary trouble or momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, that little space, all the stuff that you're going through in your life right now, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Don't waste your time dwelling on all those things that make you lose sight of eternity that Christ offers us. Hope moves us forward. Christ promises, says, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no suffering, no final goodbyes. If you know Jesus, the great reunion awaits you. God will live with you and your spiritual f- family forever. And that's the best Christmas present that I could offer you today, that you could ever receive the knowledge of Christ himself, the hope that he brings. And if you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. You can trust him by faith. You can turn towards him in repentance and seek his forgiveness. He's your only hope that you could ever put any hope in, in this world. You and I will die on this earth one day. That is our destination, our destiny, if you will, for this earth, you and I will die physically. But for many, it will either be in darkness and gloom or the surety and security that this is not our home forever. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the hope? Biblical hope is not guesswork. It's not, I hope it may happen. I hope I'm going to heaven someday. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is I know it'll happen because of what Christ has already done when he came to this earth. Biblical hope says, I know Jesus died for me. I know he offers me this. I know that's where I go. I know he came as Emmanuel to dwell with me forever, and that's why this is light and momentary. Friends, do you know that this is not all there is? Do you know that forever is coming? Do you know that it could start today, that forever for you if you place your faith in Christ? Do you know that soon, until soon becomes now, you can be okay? I hope you can say that this Christmas. I hope all of us are on our way back home. If I can give you any encouragement as you leave this place today, it would be to run home. Run home. Merry Christmas. All glory to Emmanuel, the God who is with us and he will be with us forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you as our God of hope. It's not a God of I hope that you're real or I hope that you are gonna bring forth the promises that you've guaranteed to us. Father, this is a secure thing that we can know you by faith. Because you have sent us the wonderful counselor, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, because you have dwelt among us and promised us to prepare a place for us for all who know Christ, because you promised us eternity, because you tell us in your word this is just a vapor. Father, help us today to not lose perspective. Father, we'll enjoy Christmas and celebrate and presents and all the things that we do around this time of year. But Father, you'll bring about so much more. One day when Christ comes back or calls us home, we'll be with you. He'll restore all things new to himself. He'll reign, reestablish his kingdom in its full dimension forever. Father, there will be no such thing as war. There will be no such thing as division, family strife, unforgiveness, broken relationships. There will be a peace that has no end. Father, help us today to hope in that. If there is one who doesn't know Christ in this room, that they would cry out to you now and say, Jesus, will you be my hope? Looking to him for salvation. Father, for light from gloomy dark days. Father, thank you for this time where we could come and worship and celebrate what you have done. May we be like Zechariah and say, blessed be your name because you have come and redeemed your people. You have offered us the hope of Christ. Father, thank you. We love you. All glory to Emmanuel, our God with us forever. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.